21 and verse 2. Young people, you can meet Sister Fishburne in the back. Get ready to start selling some picture program packets tomorrow. Man, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We have found that that fundraiser is the best fundraiser out there. We've tried a lot, and uh, it costs a lot to go to these conferences and camps and all that fun stuff, but it is well worth it. It is well worth it. The impact on the life of a young person, uh, God getting a hold of them, them growing in God, getting deeper roots in God, is priceless. It is absolutely priceless. And uh, in Jesus' name, I'm excited about what God's going to do for them. Genesis 1 and verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. I'm going to preach this morning with the help of the Holy Ghost, the voice above the crowd. The voice above the crowd. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord in prayer again together this morning. God, we love you and we thank you for each and every person who is here. God, we thank you that you are here with us. God, we feel your presence here today. And Lord, we know that you have a plan for each and every life, for each and every person, for each and every family. And God, I praise you, Lord. I give you thanks that you've got a plan for those who aren't even here this morning. But God, I pray that you would help us today. I pray you'd help us grow in you. I pray, Lord, that we would become closer to you today than we were yesterday. We thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Genesis chapter 1 is the beginning, or gives an account, rather, of the beginning of time. The word Genesis means beginnings, and so it's, it's a good place to start. The unique thing about the book of Genesis, like some of you heard me mention briefly on Wednesday night, that the book of Genesis sets the precedence for the rest of Scripture. We understand that mankind was not there as God started creating earth, but God gave a revelation of how it had happened. He had spoken things into existence. The Bible tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form, and it was void. It was dark. There was darkness upon the face of the deep. It was not anything like what it looks today. It's not anything like this organized system and system of systems that we see today. There was no rain cycle. There was no evening. There was no morning. There was no plant life. There was no form. It was literally chaotic. Darkness upon the face of the deep. It was 
disorderly, chaotic. But we find here these, there's two characteristics that begin to stick out to us in the book of Genesis that we find reflected throughout the entirety of the Word of God. And that is that when God begins to move, anything is possible. That God can take something that is nothing. That God can take something that is without form. God can take something that man cannot fix. God can take something that man cannot try to put back together. That man cannot even try to organize. And it's nothing for God to do that. That it's literally easy as a spoken word for God to do that. We notice two things that take that which is chaotic. Takes that which is abstract, that that has potential, and makes something that is concrete and something that is solid out of it. Out of the darkness and the void came land and came water. Atmosphere, light, and darkness were separated. And it happens because first the Spirit of God begins to move upon the face of the waters. And then secondly, God said, let there be light. In order for anything good to begin to happen in my life, I've got to be in a place where the Spirit of God is moving. I've got to be in a location. I've got to be in a church. I've got to be in a prayer meeting. I'm not saying that God can't move outside the church building. We know that he can. But I've got to be in a spiritual environment where things begin to happen. Where the Spirit of God begins to move. Where God can move upon the face of chaos. And order come from the chaos. Because the Spirit needs to move so the Word of God can be spoken. Spirit and the Word for the remainder of the Bible. That is the progression through which God creates and through which God makes whole. The Spirit moves and God speaks. Darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. You heard me say it on Wednesday. He creates Light in the beginning of the creative days. But he doesn't create the sun, the moon, or the stars until the fourth day. So how could there be light? Let me tell you how there's light. Because God is light. And anywhere God is, it doesn't matter if it's the darkest of nights or if it's the high noon of the noonday. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. When God steps in, darkness has got to flee. Darkness has got to recede. I want the Spirit of God to move. I want to be in a place where the Spirit of God can move so God can speak to my situation. It's the voice above the crowd. The crowd, as it were, in Genesis chapter 1, we understand that nothing was created at that point. But if you were to take a poll amongst 
whatever was there, the nothingness that was there, if man could have looked at that, man would have said nothing is possible. Man would have said that there's nothing good that can happen from this chaos. It's just chaos. It's nothingness. It's not worth messing with. It's not worth doing anything about. But God said, you know what? If I can get the spirit to move, I can create something worthwhile out of this. Anything is possible. I can create men and women in my image to have a relationship with. I can work. If there's nothing it doesn't matter. I can work if there's something or if there's nothing. The phrase and God said is repeated ten times during the creative days alone. And after each of those statements there is a creative act that is performed. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, I'm going to divide the light from the darkness. The darkness he called night. The light he called day. Evening, morning, first day. God said, God said, God said, land appears. It just appears. Let there be fish. There's fish. There'd be fowls in the air. Boom, there they are. What came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken did. Because God spoke it into existence in a mature state. That doesn't really have anything to do with what I'm preaching today. But. Chicken came first. Chicken laid egg. Getting hungry. Blueberry muffin I had for breakfast is wearing off. God spoke. And the nothingness gave up its nothingness. God spoke and chaos had to lay down and give up. God spoke and a purposeless earth had to give up. The atmosphere had to come in order when God spoke. I know the pollsters would have said nothing is possible, but God said nothing is impossible. I want to listen today to the voice that is above the crowd. We find the voice of God again in Genesis 3. Verse 8, And they heard, Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam, and said unto him, Where are you? He wasn't talking about, Adam, where are you physically? But God was saying, Adam, where are you spiritually? 
You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be in a position where you and I can talk, where you and I can sit and we can have fellowship together. We can eat together. We can walk together. We can talk together. You're supposed to be in a sinless position. However, sin had entered into the world and God is saying, Adam, where are you? You've fallen, Adam, and you cannot get up on your own. The sound of God moving caused Adam and Eve to respond. They felt that they were different. They knew the earth itself was different. The voice of God should always bring about the acknowledgement and the shining of the light upon sin in my life. Sin that needs dealt with no matter how countercultural it is. The voice of God begins to move above the crowd. The crowd that says, I'm going to do it because it feels good, regardless of the fact of whether or not it separates me from God. Folks, I don't want to be a part of anything that keeps me away from the presence of God. The crowd had said, the serpent said, oh, Eve, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit because He knows in the day you do, you'll be like God's, knowing right from wrong. They had no concept of wrong. They lived in a state of innocence. So there's just enough truth mingled with the lie say oh man maybe maybe the crowd is right she took she ate she gave to her husband who ate also the voice of God should always make me desire to get closer to him Where are you, Adam? We skip centuries forward to the book of Mark. Chapter 4, verse 35, it says, In the same day, when the even was come, when it was evening time, Jesus saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, the crowd, they took them, took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. The waves beat into the ship so that it was full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. He's curled up in the corner. He's found himself a nice spot there, maybe laying on top of the fishing nets. Maybe curled up next to a coil of rope. And he's got a pillow with him. He's ready. He's ready to nap at a moment's notice. The pressure of the crowd pushing on him, his desire to heal, his desire to move, his desire to feed, his desire to teach, his desire to preach has pushed him to the point of 
exhaustion. But now the disciples and other little ships that are with them are caught in a storm and they find him with the pillow and he's laying down in the boat and they say, Master, don't you care that we perish? Don't you care that we're getting ready to die? You see, traveling with Jesus does not mean the absence of trouble. It doesn't mean my days are all going to be rosy. It doesn't mean I'm going to have a birthday cake every morning. It doesn't mean that my days are going to be full of donuts and steak and everything's going to be paid for and I'm never going to have a bill that's close. I'm never going to have a checking account that hits zero. It doesn't mean I'm going to have everything perfect. But what it does mean is that it's better for me to dwell in the house of the Lord one day of my life than it is to be a, a thousand elsewhere. It doesn't always mean it's going to be safe but I'm sorry it doesn't always mean it's going to be free of trouble but it does always mean that I'm going to be in the safest place possible in Matthew's account he records that the ship was covered by the waves we're not talking about just little swells here We're talking about Jesus is in the back of the boat and the water is coming over the boat. Jesus, we're on the Sea of Galilee. We're not in Hawaii trying to surf, bro. We're not trying to get in the barrel of this thing and ride it out. We are getting ready to die. But the storm didn't bother Jesus. The storm didn't wake up Jesus. The waves coming over the boat didn't wake up Jesus. The screaming didn't wake up Jesus. His disciples woke him up. Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm getting ready to die? And Jesus steps up and he walks out. He arose. He rebukes the wind and says to the Red Sea, peace. I'm sorry, to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. It doesn't always mean it's going to be absent of trouble. But I'm telling you that even when the waves are coming over the boat and you think it's going to fall apart, if I can get a hold of the master, if I can wake the master to the circumstance, I'm telling you I'm in the the safest place possible. Matthew says the boat was covered by waves. Luke adds that they were in jeopardy. They thought, literally, we are going to die. And then there's Jesus. Seemingly lacking any terror or fear in the face of danger. The crowd says, this is it. The crowd says, we're not getting out of this one. The the crowd was a large group of very experienced sailors. At the very least, James, John, Peter, and Andrew, experienced sailors in their boat on the Sea of Galilee where they had made their living. They knew every nuance of that sea. 
They knew the deepest places. They knew the most shallow places. They knew the nature that that body of water had. They knew the storms that they usually faced. But now they're looking at something that had been once their comfort zone. And they're saying, my comfort zone is getting ready to rock my world. I'm getting ready to lose it all. The crowd says, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know that we're going to get out of this one. I wish I had a cell phone to text mom. I, I love you, mom. I'm not going to make it home tonight. But let me tell you what the crowd said and what the Lord said were two very different things. Why? Because there is tremendous power in the spoken word of God. We saw it in creation when he separated the water from that was above from the water that was beneath. He literally spoke everything into existence. He gathered the moisture slung it into the atmosphere he pushed the rest down with his words to create the oceans, seas, rivers and lakes he had separated the atmosphere with his word now he's asleep in a boat with the water that he had separated rushing in wonder he was asleep crowd did not realize who they were dealing with John would later record it in then chapter 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And then in verse 14, he would go on to say, and the word that made everything, the word that was with God and was God, became flesh and dwelt among us. They didn't realize that the creator of the wave, the creator of the atmosphere, the one whose voice had spoken above the chaotic roar of nothingness and chaos and peril that, 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 that same voice was now laying in the boat asleep let me preach to you this morning that the same Lord the same God is here in this room today he wants to move in each and every life no wonder there's a lack of terror well, humanity's losing their minds. Same voice that had separated the waters now says, peace, be still. Now, I don't, I don't believe that he woke up and he said it with, a yawn in his voice. Oh, peace be still. I mean, there, there's got to be some certain level of irritation there. I mean, he rebuked the wind.
just woke me up. And he stands up and rebukes the wind. Almost like he's scolding a child. Peace! Be still! Sit down and shut up! You just woke me up! It's the voice that's above the crowd. God said, let there be light. And there was light. We heard it from the beginning of time. It's the voice that doesn't really care what the crowd is saying. Because the crowd cannot see the divine purpose. The coursing through his veins. We find it again in the book of John chapter 11 and verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus. You know, the more I read about her, the more I like Martha. Listen to what she said. Lord, we usually only focus on verse 21. If you had been here, my brother had not died. Verse 22. But I know, even now, I know you could have healed him. He's dead, but you're not. I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it thee. It kind of catches Jesus. He's like, whoa. You're the same, Martha? You're the same, Martha. He said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha saith unto him, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at that last day. She said, I'm not a Sadducee. They, they don't believe in the resurrection. I do. I know he's going to rise again the last day. But Jesus is like, oh man, you almost had it. You almost had it. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at that last day. In verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am. He's referring back to Old Testament words. I am the resurrection and the life. I know you needed me to be the healer, but I couldn't be the healer, but I am the resurrection and the life. I will be what you need me to be. Before Abraham was, I am. He said, Moses, you go tell the children of Israel, I am that I am sent you. I am what you need me to be. I will be what you need me to be in the future. Why? Because I'm the voice above the noise of the crowd. When everybody else says it's not possible, God's going to say it's possible. I know you wanted me to be the healer, but I'm also the resurrection. I'm also the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth, believeth in me, shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? She said, oh yeah. Not really. She said, yea, Lord. I believe that thou art Christ. The Son of God. She said it before the Apostle Peter said it. The Apostle Peter had to wait until after the resurrection. To get a full revelation. 
I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And so Jesus is buffeting death. Death is no longer considered death in the final sense. Martha, I know it doesn't look good. I know that you lost hope. I know you've been grieving now for four days. I know your heart's been ripped out. I know you shed tears. Martha, you need to understand that for the child of God, death is not final. She expresses to Jesus her continued belief in the hope of a Messiah. I know there's a Messiah. I know you're the Son of God, but she wasn't grasping everything that Jesus was saying. And then in verse 32, here comes Mary. Mary was come to, to where Jesus was, and she saw him, and she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, I pray. And you didn't come. There's a lot of that. We've all experienced that. And I've seen some lose faith. God didn't answer their prayers the way they wanted God to answer them. God, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Jesus therefore saw her weeping. And the Jews also weeping, which came with her, groaned in spirit and was troubled. He's identifying with his friends. He's identifying with their human nature. It's causing him to weep. It's causing him to groan, the Bible says. It literally means he's, he's being moved with anger. He's not angry at his friends, but he's angry at the situation. I don't want them to have to go through this, but, but he's got death in his sights now and said in verse 34 where have you laid him and they said unto him Lord come and see and so Jesus walks up to the grave not as a spectator not as a friend not as a mourner not as one whose mind and body and soul are riddled with grief, but he walks up to the grave as the I am that I am. He walks to the grave as the resurrection and as the life. He's walking into a hopeless situation. He walks up and begins confronting death in its tyranny. He's walking up to confront death in its finality of the moment he's looking at a hopeless situation that's making his friends upset and he's saying I want to confront 
death now. I want to confront this situation right now. Groaning, it's bubbling inside of his spirit. And Jesus said in verse 39, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead for four days. Process of decomposition is set in, and God, it's not going to be pretty. There's a smell that goes along with that. We're going to talk about this later, not today or this week, but the Jews believed that there was only hope of resurrection for three days. And that the soul would just kind of hang out. But the fourth day, it was hopeless. Jesus waits until the fourth day. When the crowd says, God, you don't, you really don't want to do that. I mean, you really, if you wanted to pay your last respects, you should have been here four days ago. Jesus, it's, it's bad. If you had just been here then, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead four days. And Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Martha, remember when I asked you if you believed what I was telling you about being the resurrection and the life, and you said, yes, Lord. Then I said, if you'll believe, get that stone out of there. I'm not coming with the voice of the crowd, but there's another voice rising above that, which is hopeless, that which is full of grief, that which is full of disdain, Jesus commanded the stone to be removed and Martha's response echoes that of the Jewish crowd it's too late Jesus assures Martha that the glory of God the visible manifestation of God was getting ready to be seen God is getting ready to show his power over death. He steps up to that grave that is constructed much like his grave would be just in a few short days. Stone rolled in front of it. Staring death in the eyes. Took away the stone. Verse 41 from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. It's the flesh praying to the spirit. It's the dual nature of Christ. He's 100% God and 100% man. He's letting the crowd know, hey, if you'll pray, God's going to hear your prayers. And I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. He said, God, I'm not praying for myself. I'm praying for them. 
Watch what happens in verse 43. You got people in that crowd that are saying, oh my Lord, somebody put the stone back, please. He stinks. I can smell it from here. Please, you don't understand. I know you love Lazarus, but you got to put the stone back. It's hopeless. It's not going to work. Jesus, you could have healed him, but you didn't heal him. And in verse 43, Jesus, when he had thus spoken, cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Let me preach to you for just a moment. He didn't have to scream for Lazarus to hear him. It was a spiritual thing that was going on. He could have whispered. He could have thought it. And Lazarus would have come out of that grave. But he was letting his voice be heard above the crowd. The voice that said life is possible. When the crowd said it's not possible. There's a voice of mourning that was speaking. It was a voice of unbelief. I can't believe you didn't come. It was a voice of doubt this man healed others you can read that rest of that chapter yourself and you'll hear it this man healed others surely he could have healed this man but you already know me as the healer I'm revealing myself to you today this man he healed he healed others surely he could have healed Lazarus There's a voice of recognition in Martha. I know you're the son of God and anything you pray about can be done. But Lord, you weren't here. And Lord, surely he stinks by now. And you hear in the midst of all of that, the guttural moan of a master who is able. A guttural moan that says, did you not hear what I said? If you'll believe, then you'll see me work. Let me preach to you today. He didn't need to cry with a loud voice to wake Lazarus from that dirt nap. That was the spiritual thing but he spoke loud enough for every mourner in the graveyard who was gathered to hear what he was saying to blow doubt out of the water I know that you know I can heal I know you know I can forgive sins but do you know I can take that which is dead and bring new life I can take a dead situation and make it live again I can take a life that's busted and I can bring it beautiful fall again I can bind up the broken hearted I can let them trade in their their garments of mourning for a garment of praise John 5 25 says it verily verily I say unto you the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the son of God they that hear shall live The voice of Jesus will cause the dead to live again. To the woman with the issue of blood, the voice of the crowd was the voice of the medical staff that said, you're always going to have this issue. To the man whose son was possessed and threw himself into the fire often, it was the voice of Above the, the hopelessness of the demon possessed son. To the Samaritan woman at the well, it was the voice in the crowd that was the noise of her shame and insecurity. 
To Noah and his family, it was the voice in the crowd of isolation and mockery. To Abraham and Sarah, it was the voice above infertility. To Jarius and his daughter, it was the voice above doubt and death. To David the shepherd, it was the voice above the sound of the bear and the lion. To David the defender, it was the voice above the sound of the giant. To David the prince, it was the voice above the sound of false accusation and jealousy to David the king it was the voice above the sound of impossibility to Adam and Eve it was the voice above the sound of their sin and to you and I today let me preach to you that it doesn't matter what the crowd is saying it doesn't matter if it's a sound of doubt or a sound of fear a sound of unbelief a sound of impossibility a sound of poverty a sound of rejection a sound of addiction a sound of sin, a sound of hopelessness. It does not matter what the crowd is saying. All that matters is that you've got a God who's lifting up his voice trying to ring out louder than the crowd today. He's trying to shout above the sound of the circumstance you're facing. He's able. He's able. He's able. Musicians come this morning. He's able. He's able. He's able. Mary, Martha, you know me as a healer. You know me as a miracle worker. Disciples, you know me as literally he had just fed 5,000 men plus the women and the children before they got in the boats and said, let's go across the other side. You know me as a miracle worker. But you're getting ready to see me as creator and subduer of creation. He's able, and this morning you're capable. With God's help, it's possible. Well, pastor, you don't know what I'm facing. Matthew 19 and verse 25. As we stand this morning, let's all stand. Matthew 19, 25, when his disciples heard what he was saying, he was talking about how people get to heaven. They were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? Jesus beheld him and said, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He said, I know that man looks at it and man says it's not possible. Man looks at it and says that it's hopeless. I can never make it. I can never do it. I'll never make it to heaven. I'll never be able to live this way. I'll never be able to keep myself from sin. But God saying with man, I know it's impossible. But with God, nothing, nothing is impossible. But I've got to let his voice drown out the voice of the crowd. We find it again in Acts chapter 2, in verse 1. It's the Feast of Pentecost. The streets of Jerusalem are teeming with people. There's multitudes there. They are going about their traditions. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, there were 120 people in one accord and in one place when suddenly there came a sound not from earth but from heaven 
as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire it looked like fire was resting upon each and every one of them and they began to speak in an unknown language as the spirit gave them utterance and then later on the voice of the crowd as they spilled out of that upper room in worship in prayer they spill out into the streets glorifying God the crowd says these guys are drunk they're full of wine it's 9 o'clock in the morning and they've been hitting it hard all night they're drunk but Peter standing up with the 11 said no no this isn't what you think it is I've got to listen to the right voice there's a voice above the crowd in my world the crowd in my world is saying no the crowd in my world is saying you have to live in fear the crowd in my world is saying you have to do this do that and you can't live that way anymore it's old fashioned and you got to do this and you can't do this and you can't say that anymore and you can't but the god of heaven is saying listen i designed you to live in my realm in my presence i want the best for you and God is saying I want to be your provider I want to be your healer I want to work miracles in your life I want to be your Lord I want to be your master I want to protect you I want to provide for you I want to lead you I want to guide you I want you to have the best I wonder today these altars are open I wonder if you want to come to the altar and pray you can